Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. It's your host, with the most, Chris. Man, I'm having an exciting day. Definitely a lot of exciting things going on right now, especially the first topic we're going to be getting into right now. But first, before I get this podcast started, the Stars game, you guys saw probably on my TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. I was rooting for the Stars, and sadly, we lost in double overtime. (laughs) Am I upset? I'm more upset that John uh, Plevsky is going to be out because of the outrageous hit he took against the Wild on Monday night. So I'm kind of upset that he's not going to start. He's definitely a big help in that really good Dallas Stars offense. So that's going to hurt a little bit, but I'm interested to see how the Stars are going to react, how they're going to try to bounce back. I know game one didn't really go as well as we thought. It was it was actually a really interesting game. You know, they were down 1-0. They came back in the second period, scored 2 and then the Wild got the, se- got the second one to win the double overtime. So it's going to be a pretty even series. So I'm pretty excited about that and to kind of see what's going to happen. I know game two is tonight. So I'm very excited to watch that game. So you'll probably be seeing me cheering on my stars, hoping and see if we can get game two. But I'm very excited. So let's go Dallas Stars. I'm excited. So next thing, the NBA playoffs are in full swing. A lot of craziness. This is the actual bracket. The play-in tournament's already complete. I've already concluded. Now we're doing. Now we're in here. The Kings are up, I believe, two nothing on the Golden State Warriors. Giannis got injured. Tyler Hero broke his hand. John Morant's injured. Wow, it's it's kind of a wild, definitely a wild NBA playoffs. Uh, definitely a wild start to the NBA playoffs. I'm very excited to see. I did want to bring up though. I may have this like as a question, like on. Uh, Spotify or anything like that. If you guys want me to cover the NBA playoffs, let me know because I'm I'm actually really intrigued because you know this the Kings all of a sudden are just beating the Warriors. John Morant's out. The Lakers are trying to you know get past the Grizzlies. Giannis, who knows what's gonna happen with him? Tyler Hero's injured. It's definitely gonna be an interesting series this year. And I know my Mavs are out and the whole thing with that. But if you guys want me to cover the NBA playoffs, let me know. I'll be I'll be real excited to do that as well. But Order of business here. First topic for the day. It's fight week. I'm so excited for fight week. That's right. Tank Gervonta Davis is fighting King Rye, Ryan Garcia, this weekend, April 22nd. I believe it's in Las Vegas. I am so stoked and excited for this fight. Reason why. I'm a big fan of Ryan Garcia. I've seen a lot of his fights. I saw when he was um with the Canelo with Canelo's camp, and he was working through there. I'm just a big fan of him. I like him. And Javante Davis is also an excellent fighter in his own right. So seeing these two fighters finally going one-on-one with each other, as a boxing fan, I've, I've, watched, I've been watching boxing for a while. I've, I've, I'm so excited. I really am. Just I don't know if you guys can hear it in my voice. I'm really excited because this is one of the fights a lot of people have been wanting and requesting for probably two years now. I know Ryan has been wanting this fight to happen. I know Javante kind of wanted to make this fight happen. And now we finally have it going. For those of you that don't know kind of how boxing works, it's promoters that do the fights. It's not really like, you know, oh, hey, let's let's go. It depends. It goes through all this litigation process, all that kind of good stuff. And it's a hassle if anyone's ever seen it. And some people uh, may argue that, promoters are the one are the ones that are ruining the sport of boxing which depends on who you are i kind of agree with it because there are a lot of fights a lot of people want to see 
And they're not happening because these promoters are either not letting them, they're asking for way too much. It, it's a hassle. And I think that this fight, because both of them are from two different promotions, they're not from the same one. And I know Ryan Garcia mostly fights on the zone, and Gervonta fights on Showtime's like uh, pay-per-view stuff. So they finally they got it to work, which was incredible. Number one is that they were able to make the fight happen. It wasn't one of those like, come on, let's get the fight going, and it never happens, and we probably will never see it, or it'll be too late when we see it when both of them are kind of past their prime, or one of them gets injured, they want to do the fight, but it doesn't work out. Now we get to see two of the biggest fighters, like definitely right now. Go head-to-head, especially with all the beef between each other. I wouldn't say they don't like each other, but they definitely want to knock each other out. And I'm very excited for it. So I'm so happy that the promoters were able to get this done. Congratulations. Give you guys a pat on the back. Ryan's camp. Gervonta. Give you guys a pat on the back and making this fight happen. Now, on to the fight. This has been kind of an ongoing thing for two years now, like I said. Roughly about. Because Ryan's been calling out Tank Davis. And then Tank kind of wanted to fight him, but they didn't get it to work. And then I believe Ryan took some time off because of his mental health. And that's I, I believe that's very important. Number one. And that's also important, number two, in boxing. Because you got to keep in mind, when you get in the ring, your your head has to be sharp. Because if you're not paying attention for one second, that can be the difference between you ducking a punch or your lights going out, and that's definitely important. I mean, we—I mean, you can see it whenever people uh, fight and they're not there. Whether it be boxing, female boxing, the UFC, females in the UFC, any kind of thing like that, you got to be mentally right. And then Ryan took some time away to get mentally right, and right when he came back, he came back hot again, calling out Tank. And now we're finally gonna get the fight. I'm so excited. Going down into the fight, though, I'm interested to see kind of how. I believe it's a 12-round bout, so I'm kind of interested to see how this fight's going to play out. Just because they're both uh, they're both pretty fast, number one. Javante's a little smaller. I believe he's 5'6", while Ryan, he's like 5'6 or 5'8", and Ryan's like 5'11". So definitely, Ryan has the height advantage, he has a reach advantage, and in a in an argument, you could say he has a little bit more speed. Because especially if you've seen the videos of him just, you know, going at it out of bag, or just seeing him at, just doing quick punches... He can move. He is a fast boxer. But what I will give Tank Davis credit on is he does have power. There were times when I saw him fight where I thought Tank's going to lose. I believe, I, for, I forgot who it was, but it was a couple fights or a fight prior to this one. He went up against uh, his opponent and the he was his face was bruised. You can tell. Like Even if you're a Javante Davis fan and said, no, that ain't nothing. You could tell the man's face was messed up because his face was puffy. And that's typically a telltale sign of they were getting messed up in the fight is when their faces start turning red or start seeing some sort of swelling. But all of a sudden, you know, if you're if you think you have Javante on the ropes, he comes in and hooks you or uppercuts you and your your lights are out. So he does have power. I know he's kind of like a product of Floyd Mayweather. So that's kind of how Floyd kind of worked. But I believe Floyd was kind of more of tiring you out because, I mean, if anyone ever saw Floyd Mayweather fight. He loves to move. He loves to stick and move, tire you out. You guys get the picture. So Javante is kind of like a little product of Floyd Mayweather, but he does have power, which is one thing I would be concerned about if I was Ryan Garcia is don't take his power lightly, especially since he's gone up against fighters. I know he's a three-division champion, so that's definitely something you can't knock against Tank Davis. However, however, though, Ryan also has power. We saw him knock people. I believe he has 19 knockouts compared to 23. But I believe 
Tank has like four or five more fights than Ryan does. I believe Ryan's like at 20 something. And I know Gervonta's like 28 and 0. Okay. Gervonta's 28 and 0. Uh, King Ryan is 23 and 0 with 19 knockouts. And Gervonta has 23 out of the 28 fights he's done. So that's going to be my thing is that Ryan does have power. If any, if you guys have seen like the fights and his knockouts he's gotten, especially how fast it is. He hits you with the left hook and how just how quick it comes. And I think that's kind of one thing that people kind of don't respect about Ryan is that he is fast, but he also has power. And I believe a lot of people kind of compare him to like how Oscar De La Hoya was, which is actually his like one of his promoters, which is completely awesome. He got this fight to work and kind of seeing how he fights. And it's kind of like a kind of a mere resemblance. I wouldn't say Ryan is closer to Canelo because I think Canelo is an all around great boxer. He does have speed and power. And he has good movement. I think he's a little bit more of a t- of a tuned like fighter. Like he's like a professional fighter. I think just Ryan has a little more speed than him. But in any case, with Ryan, with Ryan's speed and his power going up against Tank, and he has some speed and power, it's gonna be an even fight, in my opinion. I think this is gonna go down to the wire, just because of how great these two guys are. I know they're training real hard because they want to knock each other out. They want to show that who's the better fighter, especially all the trash talk they had with each other. You know, like, I know Ryan, sometimes when he called his fights, he would say, like, he shouldn't, he wasn't going to win if he, if Tank would have gone to decision, he would have not made it. I know there were some jabs at him saying that he hasn't gone far in a fight, but neither has Ryan and, you know, stuff like that. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this is going to end up. So I'm going to give my prediction for the fight. I do. I am rocking with Ryan Garcia. I think he's going to win this fight. However, I don't think he's going to knock out Javante Davis just because I am. I think that Javante might have a little bit of a chin. I mean, especially since you see, if you've seen some of the other fights he's had. And he's, does, he, he does have a couple more fights under his belt than Ryan does. However, I don't know if Tank can go the distance like Ryan can. I think Ryan can go the distance. And I believe he did. I think one of his fights he went like the 10 rounds. So... I think he can do it. Javante, I think the longest match he's uh, the longest match he's ever had was like seven rounds, which is impressive or not. You are gonna go up against fighters that do have stronger chins than maybe than maybe your other opponents, and go and they may last longer. And here's another big thing that I believe a lot of people are t- kind of don't understand or don't take into consideration, is that Ryan got knocked down against the Luke Campbell fight. He has felt what happens when you slip up. He has felt what happens when you don't take things seriously or you take things too lightly. Because when he got knocked down, he got knocked down. But he did what any great fighter would. He got right back up, you know, kind of gave him a head nod, told Luke, good shot, you got me on the ground. Now what do you do? And that's always the biggest response if you're a boxer is that, yeah, you're going to get knocked down. But what do you do when you get back up? Are you going to, you know, be nervous and scared and try to, you know, tug and hold and wait for, a, you know, try to shake it off later in the rounds no because you're going to be intimidated and then once you're intimidated by that you're not going to want to you know fight fully effectively now you're going to be on a defensive front ryan went back into went back against luke campbell after the knockdown and still with a left hook got the knock got the, i believe he got a tko in that fight because he hit him in the he got a body shot so hard he i believe he like knocked the wind out of him and he almost broke a rib i know luke was in, in pain when he got that body shot from ryan so just with that alone, Ryan has had that experience of, you know, I got knocked down. What am I going to do? I got to get up and fight because that's all you can do. You got to get up and fight and get back, you know, get back in there and square up against your opponent. And I think Ryan 
having that advantage over Javante Davis because at least from the fights I've seen from Javante, he has not been knocked down. At least to the level of Ryan. Because Ryan got straight knocked down in the fight against Luke Campbell. He got hit. And I think another thing, when Ryan came back and fought, I believe his last match or the last two uh, fights he had, he got better from what I saw. He got better because there were a couple of uh, fighters that tried to set him up like Luke Campbell did. Because that's exactly what happens when when you're in that predicament and you get knocked down. Everyone's going to try to get that weakness and everyone's going to try to do exactly what the other fighter did. And that's, you know, that's exactly what you do whenever you're fighting, you know, you're a fighter. You got to improve your weaknesses. And that's exactly what Ryan did. I believe uh, the last fight he had, they tried to get him how Luke got him. And he said, no, like I knew he was trying to go for that Luke Campbell shot, how I got knocked down and I didn't let him because I learned. And I think that's great for Ryan. I believe with Javante though, however, because of the fight, the fights he's had and he hasn't had someone really break his defense, you know, whether it be great or not, I think it's good because I mean, congrats, you know. But kind of just seeing, like, when his face swells up and stuff like that and some of the fights he recently had, it's like, I mean, people are getting there, but he's just getting one good shot, and that's a knockdown because of his power. And that's, like, the one thing I really fear in the fight is that he has power. Well, but Ryan does have speed and power, and he has that background of, you know, I've been knocked down before, I'm going to get back up and continue the fight because that's all I really can do is get back up, get back in the ring, and finish either finish the round or finish the fight because you always got to keep in mind the fight's never over if you get knocked down unless you're knocked out but if you just get a knockdown get back up real quick fight's not over because you can always come back and stop them or you know shake it off get in the next round and keep fighting and that's really the important thing and i think that's a great lesson that ryan learned you know kind of early on is that you're not always going to be untouched you're not going to always be you know have a clean face you're not always not going to get cut up and you're not always not going to get knocked down because he got knocked down. Even the greats have been knocked down. Muhammad Ali's been knocked down by George Foreman. Mike Tyson got knocked down. Uh, Canelo, I believe he almost got knocked down a couple times. Not, I'm going to say. And you, you guys get the picture, Um, you know, kind of painting the picture I have here. Is that all the greats have got to go through adversity like that. And I think Ryan kind of going over that is definitely going to help him in this fight. But to wrap up this topic, I got Ryan Garcia I believe he's gonna finish with decision. I think he can. I think he could do enough to get the decision. If we were talking knockouts, I predict a, a, a round ten knockout. I don't think this fight's gonna go less than seven. I don't. I think that these two fighters are way too good to go below seven. Plus, that pay per view cost better be worth more than seven rounds. You guys know what I mean. So I'm excited to watch the fight. I'm I'm gonna be rooting for Ryan. I have him winning in decision, or if it's gonna be a knockout or TKO, I have it in the tenth round. Alrighty, next topic for the day. Hey everybody, I just want to take a real quick pause from the podcast to introduce our first sponsor, One Guy from Italy on University. One Guy from Italy on University is a local Lubbock restaurant located right next to Texas Tech University. They have some of the best food in town. I know personally I go order. The house calzone is my favorite. And also they have been voted to have the best calzones in Texas. So if you're ever in Lubbock, Texas, make sure you guys stop by One Guy from Italy on University. And thank you guys for being our first sponsor of the podcast. Now, let's get back to the episode. Hey, we're talking NBA playoffs because this was just reported today and it's been hitting everyone differently. Stephen A., Skip, Shannon, Emmanuel Acho, Joy, David, you guys know the names. So Draymond Green was suspended for the first from game one, or he's getting suspended for game three. What? 
And what was my reaction to this whole suspension? I think it's wrong. I don't think he should have been suspended. Because, not because of the playoff thing. Because everyone was making that argument of, well, it's playoffs. You can't suspend someone for playoff play. You can't treat it like it's regular season. Well, hold on. You can't. You actually can, believe it or not. However, I think the severity of the foul should have not been should have not have led to a suspension by Draymond Green. Here's what I mean. When you got you guys seen the clip or if you guys haven't seen it, so what had happened was uh Sabonis for the uh, Sacramento Kings fell, he grabbed Draymond's ankle, you know, kind of held onto it, and Draymond had to adjust and he stomped on Sabonis, got thrown out of the game. And now the NBA suspended him for game 3. And when you look at the clip, it's 50-50, especially like in game, like in real time for, you know, during the game. It definitely looked like Draymond stepped on him. Don't get me wrong. But when you look at it and kind of get a third and fourth eye at it, you can tell Sabonis pulled his leg. I think that's like a 50-50 call, you know. And it's kind of the old saying, you know, the second person or the person that retaliates is always going to be the one that gets in trouble. Any one of any athletes out there listening to this podcast, I know for me, whenever I was doing football, that was one of the things my coaches stressed out. Whenever, you know, I would see some of my teammates get hot or they get a little frustrated with some of the play, they pull them aside and say, Don't react, because if you react, you're gonna get the flag. You're gonna get penalized. They're not gonna blame it, they're not gonna get it on the person that antagonized it. They're gonna get the person that reacted to it. And you're always going to get it, and that's exactly what happened to Draymond. His reaction was, you know, was what led to his, to him getting ejected from the game. You know, Sabonis instigated it. From my view, in my opinion of it, Sabonis instigated the problem because he pulled at his leg. And one of the questions that I believe no one's really asking themselves when you're looking at this video and kind of going about it is that, you know, what would have happened if he didn't kick him, but instead Draymond hurt his ankle? What would have been the problem then? What would we have done then? You know, would Sabonis be suspended? Would they ha- Would they just say, well, you know, stuff happens, things happen, and it's basketball. That's the thing, like, I think that no one's really asking themselves is what would have happened if Draymond would have gotten hurt. Everyone's, like, all saying, well, Draymond's the big bad guy, you know, stomping on people, kicking people in the ding-dong. You know, he's a dirty player. Whatever, whatever picture you have of Draymond Green that is right here in your heads, okay, then fine. But I don't think that Draymond intentionally wanted to stomp him. I think he was trying to save his ankle from twisting or hurting himself. And Sabonis just got the end of it. And then it just so happened that that was after, you know, a big reaction, whatever. And now that Draymond Green has been suspended, it's not looking good. Because now everyone is kind of upset with Adam Silver and the NBA. Because of how they're handling this, they ended up suspending him. Going about it protocol way for the regular season, and everyone's a little frustrated. Now, if you want to take it from a game perspective, yes, I do agree that this sets up the Sacramento Kings. If you guys have seen the game, uh, the past two games, the refs gave the Kings the games, if you kind of look at it. Game one, you know, they kind of helped them out a little bit, but this, you know, this last game, they definitely gave it to the Kings with, you know, I believe they only had, I believe when that whole incident happened, there was like seven or four minutes left in the game. And Draymond not being there was possibly one of the deciding factors because he was not there because he got ejected. Now he won't be there for game three. Where have we seen this before? 2016, Cavaliers, Golden State Warriors, Draymond Green gets kicked, you know, suspended for the game. They, the Cavaliers come back and make a great playoff, uh, playoff recovery and win the championship. Arguably, if that didn't happen, then 
Golden State would have another ring and LeBron would be more mad. He probably would have gone to LA a whole lot sooner. Now, how how should they adjust this? I think that if they're going about this any further, that if it's a 50-50 call wording, if you look, you know, really look at it or go back and look at the video before you the you know, before you come to the, to the decision of suspension, I would do that. Because when you look at the clip of what happened and you kind of look at what was going on, you can tell that it was 50-50. Like, from real time, it looked like Draymond stepped on him. When you look back at it, Sabonis grabbed his ankle, which I think he actually grabbed his ankle. Because I know when I first saw it, I was one of those people. I was thinking, what the heck did Draymond just do? Why would you kick someone? Why would you retaliate? But then when I started looking at the videos, I got a four-fifth eye. I was looking at it, and it was like, Sabonis pulled his ankle. Sabonis did that. You know, he, you know, got the reaction out of Draymond because Draymond was trying to save his foot before he gets injured and possibly misses more of the playoffs. And now he is not going to be there for game three. I believe they're going to Golden State for this next game. I believe uh, they're in Sacramento the first two. Now they're going to go. Now they're going to go to the Bay. So we'll see what happens in those games. But I don't think that Draymond should have been suspended. I think that Sabonis did pull pull his leg and. Hopefully, maybe uh, Adam Silver can come on in. I know Adam Silver is usually pretty good at stuff like that when there's like a lot of backlash or something like that happens. It's you know it's just very negative for the NBA. He's just quick on it. You know everyone loves Adam Silver. You know hopefully he can kind of look into this and see what they can fix. But I don't know if they will, and I'm just kind of scared that they really won't do that much. You know either way. So with that being said, hopefully you know it just doesn't affect the Warriors as much. Hopefully they can come back before, you know, they could possibly get a game three win, kind of get back in the series before, right when Jerry Mike comes back and go about it that way. But once again, I said it early in the podcast, if you guys want me to cover the NBA playoffs, let me know. I'll, I'll be more than happy to watch the games and give you guys my opinion on the games because I think it's going to be an interesting series. But definitely this whole situation has been really chaotic and hopefully we can get this fixed pretty soon. Alrighty, now we're on to the main course of the podcast. NFL talk. Everybody, we are one week away from the NFL draft. I am so excited. I'm ready to see who is going to the NFL, who's going to get picked. If we're going to get any shockers like Jordan Love getting drafted in the first round, we'll see. Maybe the Ravens do it. Who knows? I'm not saying they will, but, you know, crazier things have happened. But before we get to that part, that's going to be in the next episode, so make sure you guys tune in for that one. I will be doing a mock draft leading up to the draft week, but I do have a special thing. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, you will get to see something cool. So I'm very excited for that. Now let's go to the biggest topic that's going on right now. Jalen Hurts from the Philadelphia Eagles got the bag. He is getting a contract extension of five years, $225 million and 179 in guaranteed full money. My first reaction, does he deserve this? Heck yes, he deserves it. Jalen Hurts got better throughout his time with the Philadelphia Eagles. He came in and took over for Carson Wentz, who was struggling after that 2017 season. You know, there was a reason why they got Jalen Hurts in the second round. He was in the same draft class as, as as Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, by the way. He was a second round pick. And... You know, he came in, no one was sure how he would be. And the crazier thing was, everyone had a lot of question marks about Jalen Hurts. I actually believed in Jalen Hurts. I was excited when he got drafted from Oklahoma because I knew he was going to be good. He was good in Alabama, except he got benched for Tua, and he was good at Oklahoma. 
and I knew he was going to be great wherever he went. I was actually mad that the Eagles drafted him because I root for Jalen Hurts. I like Jalen Hurts. I was glad that he made it to the Super Bowl. I just don't like that he's with the Eagles. That was my only issue I really had with Jalen Hurts. But I'm happy he got the I'm happy he got his money. I'm happy he got paid. Because I said in the last episode, you know, when they were trying to see how they're going to pay uh Jalen Hurts, I stressed do it now. He had another year left in his contract. However, if you wait and see and wait to see if it plays out or what happens and he does well again, you know, best case scenario, he takes you back to the Super Bowl. Worst case, they don't do well, but I don't really see him doing that now with uh, Stefanski's offense and now he has weapons. He's on, a, you know, they have a solid team now. I don't see that happening for Jalen Hurts, but if he has another great season, that bill's going to go up and now they're going to have to owe him even more money because his contract's expired. And he's a second round pick. So that's even the, the crazier part of it all is that he was a second round pick and he has done a lot more than some of the quarterbacks that have been drafted in the first round. And not Joe, probably, I would say he did a little bit more than Justin Herbert. Like, I mean, we all saw that Jacksonville game, that Jacksonville and Chargers game in the playoffs. <laughs> it's just crazy. So whenever you look at it for Jalen Hurts, you know, he came in, took over for Car a struggling Carson Wentz, Got better even last season. Let's if we take it back, not 2022, but 2021. In that season, he took a bad, a bad, a bad Philadelphia team and got them to the wild card. They lost, but they got to the wild card, which is still more than more than most people can say. They went a little all in this year to get him some weapons, get some offensive line help, get some defense, and they got he got him to the Super Bowl. One drive shy away from a ring. So that is more than possibly most of the other quarterbacks in the league right now. Even even my own Dak Prescott. He got to the playoffs. He got to the Super Bowl. He's I think he's about 3-4 and four in the playoffs now. So he's gotten better. He's shown that he can be great in this Philadelphia team. Why not pay him right now before his before his price goes up because that's another thing we have to keep in mind here because Lamar still hasn't gotten his contract and I'm sure if or when he gets it that's going to go up and I'm sure the bill's going to be even higher for Jalen Hurts and on top of that Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert haven't gotten paid yet and I'm sure they're going to get a paycheck and I'm sure Jalen Hurts is going to look at it and say hey I'm better than Justin Herbert I got to a Super Bowl before Herbert and yet he got this amount of money how you know Howie Mr. Roseman Got to fork up the money. And I think that Howie Roseman, probably one of the great uh, best GMs in the NFL right now, he, you know, he kept his promise. He said, I'm going to take care of Jalen. Don't worry. We're going to work something out. We're going to keep our quarterback for the future. And he just did. He is now the highest paid NFL quarterback in history. I'm very happy for you, Jalen Hurts. Also, another side note. This contract is also the biggest contract ever completed by a female agent. For If you guys don't know, Jalen Hurts' team, like his PR, his agent, his marketing, uh, anybody else, communications, is an all-female team, and this is the biggest contract ever uh, to ever get completed by a female agent. So congratulations to that agent right there, securing the bag for your, probably your biggest, one of your biggest clients, and now your biggest client, and they were able to make it work. So going on from that, the bill was going to be higher for Jalen Hurts. And now he, the greatest thing about all this is what I think that some people maybe aren't seeing in this whole scenario. He just stabilized the QB market because now Deshaun Watson's whole 
mess of a contract that the Browns gave him is now an out, is an outlier. Now no one's going to look at that and say, well, I want Deshaun Watson money. The man, the man was possibly not going to play and got guaranteed a lot of money. Maybe his guarantee, because I know he's still the highest, uh, the highest paid quarterback for guaranteed money because he's getting $230 million, while Jalen Hurts is only getting one seventy nine. However, now NFL teams don't have to, you know, it's still pretty pricey. Don't get me wrong. It's 55, I believe it's like about $55 million a year. But that's like doable, especially since it's an extension. They didn't do it right at the end of the contract. So now they have a little time to work around that salary cap hit and that contract. Now they can kind of go about it that route. And I think that's a way better idea than waiting to the last possible moment to pay the quarterback, to pay Jalen Hurts, who got him to the Super Bowl. He was an all-pro. I think he would have won MVP if he didn't get hurt in the middle of the season. He probably would have won, won it over Patrick Mahomes. So that's why I think that he deserves his money. And just like for simple records, if we want to just keep like kind of relevancy here, let's go to the last two seasons. He's 22-8. and eight. He got an All-Pro. He's an NFC champion, NFC East champion, and he got to the Super Bowl last season and almost beat Patrick Mahomes in that Kansas City Chiefs offense, which is already daunting enough. It's already a pain to even get through the NFC. And now Jalen Hurts, you know, he got through the NFC basically with Breeze, and he almost upset Pat the favorite Patrick Mahomes Chiefs by if he would have had like maybe a minute left, they probably would have won the game. He was one drive away from being a Super Bowl champion. And that's exactly what we need to keep in mind with this whole contract thing. If people don't know if they're kind of sold on Jalen Hurts getting the contract, he deserves it. 22 and 8 in the last two seasons. He's a divisional champion, NFC champion, Super Bowl contender, and he's an all pro. And I believe he made a Pro Bowl. So he's earned it. He definitely earned it. And Howie Roseman learned the lesson from. You know, the Dallas Cowboys, you know, waiting to pay Dak after they paid Ezekiel Elliott first, then Amari Cooper. They waited on Dak, and they had to pay more for Dak. And it's essentially what the Ravens are going through right now, trying to figure out their whole Lamar Jackson problem. Howie Roseman said, no, I'm going to take care of him right now, so that way I don't have a bigger problem later, especially when Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert get their their big extensions they're going to probably get a lot of money, and I don't want to pay even more than them. So let's do it now. And they ho and they basically reset the market for QBs. So now no one has to – now if anybody asks for Deshaun Watson money, the owners can come back and say, well, Jalen Hurts got to a Super Bowl, and he didn't even get that much money. So congratulations to Jalen Hurts. Now, kind of – Hey, everyone. I just want to take a quick break from the podcast to introduce our next sponsor, Goldmine Collectibles. Goldmine Collectibles is a local Lubbock store located right off of 50th Street and University. Goldmine Collectibles sells a variety of things such as Funko Pops, wrestling figures, Pokemon cards, comic books, and more. As an example that I bought from Goldmine Collectibles is this awesome Cody Rhodes Double or Nothing Championship figure that they had in the store. And if you guys see the Funko Pops that I have right behind me, some of them are actually from Goldmine Collectibles. Ever in the market for Funko Pops, comic books, Pokemon cards, wrestling figures, and more. Make sure you guys head on over to Goldmine Collectibles. Thank you guys for sponsoring today's video. And now, back to the episode. Kind of, a, kind of an attached question to all this is, what does this mean for Lamar Jackson? So, what this, I think, what does this mean for Lamar Jackson is... Lamar Jackson needs an agent. Simple as that. That's the big difference between him and Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts had an agent, the female agent. She got him a deal. 
Lamar Jackson still doesn't have a deal. He doesn't have anything right now aside of the franchise tag. I believe the Ravens recently came out and said they offered him $200 million guaranteed money and still nothing with that. Jalen Hurts just needs a he needs an agent. That's that that's the end of the story at this point. Because everyone's applauding him like, no, he's doing this himself. Congratulations. No, because this is delaying his contract. And I think that's what some people are kind of not getting, and I don't know if that's what Lamar's not understanding. Is if you, you need someone there, that's why you have an agent, that's why you have that person there, is so that way they can go to the combine and talk to these teams, you know, after especially after he said he wanted a trade. You know, they could have gone and represented for him. They could have gone to the owners' meetings and asked, hey, Lamar Jackson wants a trade. What do you, you know, here's what the Ravens want. Here's what he's asking for. Or, you know, if, you know, kind of cut a little backdoor deal or backdoor talking, you know, kind of meet with the with an owner in the back alley trying to talk to them and say, hey, you know, I know he said he wants $250 million guaranteed, but what if I tell you he'll be fine with $200 mil guaranteed, 210 you know, for over like four years, and we can make it work that way. See, and that would be a lot easier. It's less stress for Lamar Jackson. Now seeing Jalen Hurts get paid before him is just going to add more pressure because there's no way that they got that deal done on a Super Bowl quarterback before him a league MVP, a unanimous MVP, mind you. And it is a little frustrating because we're all wanting Lamar Jackson to get paid. I want Lamar Jackson to get paid. I believe he's earned it. However, if it's the injury thing that they're worried about, because we do have to remember, he hasn't finished the last two seasons. Now, I believe if he had a contract, he probably would have finished out this past season, but I digress on that. He does, you know, he's at the end of his contract. The ink is up. He's at the end of the dotted line. And now, you know, it's time to give him something. And hopefully he does, because he's definitely, I believe he's earned it, because Without him, the Ravens are essentially not the greatest team in the in the AFC. In the AFC, they're definitely not the most competitive in their division without him. Tyler Huntley, I guess he can kind of make it work, but it's also like, you know, he was like, eh, you know, he almost beat Joe Burrow, but I mean, close is only uh, is only good for you in, in horseshoes and grenades. So when you go about this whole situation like this, and keep in mind that he hasn't been healthy, and if that's the biggest concern, then I would just come out and tell Lamar or. You know, mentioned, well, we're scared he might get injured. Because I think that's also what the owners are worried about, too. Is like, not only that they didn't want to pay him all this money because no one wants him right now, they also don't want to give up, you know, a possibility he gets injured and they wasted all their money. You know, kind of like what happened with Kyler, in my opinion. So, we'll have to see what goes on with this. But, here's the thing, though. If Lamar Jackson wants a contract, you know, I think he should just take a lesser deal. I think Lamar should just take, just, you know... Forget the $250 million guarantee. I don't think he's going to get it. And if you want something, I think you would have to kind of give up a little something in return. you gotta, you got to meet him in the middle somehow. You know? You can't, you, know, you can't just be tied down to your guns and say, no, I want $250 million guaranteed. Because no one's going to give that to you because no one's been contacting the Ravens to get that deal. And clearly the Ravens are making it clear that that is way too much money to ask from us. So... He needs to take a lesser deal. This is why an agent, an agent would be perfect for this scenario because he can talk to him, be realistic, and he can go to the owners and tell them, well, here's what he'll take, and then try to figure it out with the Ravens. So if that's if that's going to be like realistic and he really wants a long-term deal, that's probably going to be his best option, is to take his pay cut, take a little bit of a pay cut that he wants, 
you know, and get the money that way. You know, if he wants to pass Jalen Hurts, you know, in money, I think that's a little bit more feasible. At least not, like, if not annually, because I know he has the most annually, $55 million a year. At least in guarantees, he can make $200 million guaranteed, depending on, on the length of the contract. I would just take that, because, you know, he doesn't have anything. No one's calling him to ask for anything. No one's even made an offer to trade for him. I mean, we're still only a week away from the draft, so you never know. But no one has been wanting Lamar Jackson as much as as we all thought he would. You know, he would, and we all thought that he would be like the hottest commodity this offseason. But he's not because his price is way too ridiculous, and he doesn't have someone to represent him to maybe kind of get you know talk a little sense into him, let him know, hey, we got to be careful because we may not get this, and you may have to take a lesser deal. He's letting his mom do it, which I'm is fine. Moms know best. I get that, but you need someone that can go talk to these NFL people. Because his mom cannot. She cannot do anything because she is not approved by the NFL Player Association or the NFL agency. So she cannot do anything about it. She literally can't do anything. So if Lamar wants to get this done, get an agent and take a lesser deal. I think that's going to be the most realistic thing he can do to at least get a long-term contract. That way he doesn't just fall out of the league because no one's going to pay him. Because he's going to run to the point where... I kind of need money, and I'll pay for any. I'll play for any price, and that's exactly what I don't want for Lamar Jackson, especially being a unanimous MVP, because he's worth way more than that. But he needs to understand that, you know, sometimes you're not going to get everything you want in a contract, which is fine as long as you get majority of what you want. Call it fair. I'm sure that's what Jalen Hurts said. He said, "Yeah, I want a long-term deal." But how he just Howie Roseman came around and said, "All right." Here's a long-term deal, and you're the most, you're the highest-paid uh, NFL player in history annually, and you have 179 guaranteed in your bank. So that's what Lamar Jackson really needs to consider going forward with this whole process. And like I said, we're a week away from the draft, and crazier things have happened in the draft. Maybe a team might come up and try to get him. Who knows? But we're gonna have to wait and see. But Lamar, get an agent. Because if Jalen Hurts got his his contract done way before you did, I think that's a sign of just bite bite the bullet, pay for an agent, take a lesser deal. Alrighty, so some other news. Allen Robinson has been traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers. What? Now, I am a little shocked because I know the Rams did, you know, trade to get him from the Bears to help out Cooper Cup. And I mean he just wasn't that productive this year. And he did get injured. I believe he got injured like halfway through the season and just was out. I know when Baker got there, he had none of the wide receiver ones. They were all injured. So this kind of helps out the Rams, I believe. And they get a seventh round pick. And I think that's the kind of their name of the game is just try to get their picks back as much as they can. Or at least try to build up their drafts. Especially after the year they went all in and got everybody to win a Super Bowl. And now this is kind of the effects of this. So maybe they're just trying to get picks. Who knows? Maybe they just want to move on from Al Robinson, possibly draft a court, uh, wide receiver in, in, in this year's draft that's a little younger and, and kind of go about it that way. I believe they're still paying like $10.25 million on his contract. So, I mean, it's dead money either way. So, But it's a great deal for uh, Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers because now they add a third wide receiver who can definitely hold his own with Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. And George Pickens has been looking stellar last season and it's going to help out Kenny Pickett a lot because I know that's kind of one of the things that they they really really needed was another wide receiver weapon to definitely get the ball rolling and see what they have in Kenny Pickett realistically I know the whole Mitchell Trubisky thing and him it was complicated but now 
the Steelers are solely set on Kenny Pickett. Now let's see what we can do when we build a team around him. So, I mean, Tom, uh, Tomlin's going to probably still somehow have a winning record. So never count out the Steelers. But congratulations to the Steelers for getting him. And Allen Robinson, congrats on going to the Pittsburgh. All right, last topic for today. This was actually news earlier today about all this, and I thought this was one of the craziest things to come out. Apparently, teams have been calling the 49ers to trade for Trey Lance. What? I'm I'm 50-50 on this on this split. Here's why. For one side, I do think the 49ers should keep Trey Lance. Now, I know before I've said that I don't think they they shouldn't because he's been injured. Which we'll get to that that whole side of it. However, after seeing what happened in the playoffs, Brock Purdy got hurt. He went down. And then they didn't have anyone else because Garoppolo was hurt. Trey Lance was hurt. They were down to Christian McCaffrey throwing the ball, and we all saw how that worked out. So when we look at this problem that the 49ers have presented themselves, whether trade them away or keep them. I know they signed Sam they signed Sam Darnold this offseason to at least have a backup for Brock Purdy, or if Brock Purdy is not ready to go. Because I believe that's another thing, is that it was reported that Brock Purdy still hasn't practiced on his arm. He's still not feeling great to throw right now. So we don't know what the extent of his injury is and if the surgery actually helped or if he's going to take a big step back. So that's why I don't think that Trey Lance should be traded yet. Or if they want to get rid of him, don't do it now. Especially since the quarterback that they really believe in, in Brock Purdy, not even a guarantee he's going to be great when he comes back, or he might need some more time, and you know they'll only have Sam Darnold, and it's not a guarantee Sam Darnold's going to be healthy because crazier things have happened, and they're in a really tough division. So with that, they shouldn't trade him because I think that it'll help in the long run, especially if they're going to need bodies to go into the game, and they don't run into another problem like they did in the playoffs. Now, however, flip side, I do see the other side of the coin here because... Trey Lance hasn't done anything. He just hasn't. He's played in, what, four games? He's been injured the two times he's, the two years he started. Hasn't completed one season. Everyone else has had to come in and finish it for him. Jimmy Garoppolo before Brock Purdy this year. So that's why I'm like, maybe it's okay to maybe trade him. I know when he got drafted a, few, uh, three, a couple years ago, I was a little skeptic about him coming in because he only played one full season in college, and that was at North Dakota State. And I was thinking, where did this dude even come from? It was like the Zach Wilson thing. Where did he come from? Like, why is he on everyone's board now? So, it's like this. You don't necessarily need to buy in on your top drafted quarterback. Because a lot that's, gonna, that's really the essential thing of why they keep them around. It's because no one in the front office and no one in the organization wants to look wrong with their pick. No one's going to want to admit that they were wrong. You know, that the pick that they made was wrong. And they, the worst part of it all was is that the 49ers gave up a lot to get Trey Lance. I think that's like even the worst part of the story is that how much draft capital they gave up to get him. And now they're not even sure if they want to keep him. And no one wants to look like the lesser or the less wiser. I think either way, you trade him or not, isn't going to be one of those, well, you know, no one's going to be more wiser than the other. Especially since they gave up a lot. It would be great to kind of get some picks back to help out because they don't have a pick until I think their first pick in the draft is not is not until number 99. So they have a while before they go get it after trading up to get Trey Lance and trading for Christian McCaffrey and buying in. Now they're, you know, now they kind of want to build some stuff back up especially if teams are calling. And I heard this earlier today on speak on the show speak 
Um, and they're saying like, no, this is a this is a relationship. It's a million dollar relationship between a quarterback, an owner, and a coach. But a good point that was brought up is that you haven't done anything to solidify your spot in this relationship. At the end of the day, it is a business, and I do believe that it is a business. At the end of the day, whether the organization wants to look, you know, right or wrong in this whole scenario, whether they were, they guessed right that Trey Lance was going to be talented and this great quarterback or whether they were going to be wrong and said you know what maybe we should have not gave up all that draft capital you're going to live and learn doesn't matter but it is a business and if people are calling and saying hey here's a, here's a second and a, two, a second and a third and maybe a second next year who's who's to say i wouldn't pick up the phone and you know listen in you know or take it into consideration i know kyle shanahan said that we're we're, we're all ears for any kind of trade it's just whether it be good or not is really the biggest question going into, you know, being in this offseason. So, overall, do I think the 49ers should trade Trey Lance? Not yet. And the main reason why is because, or a couple of big reasons why is like what I uh, stated earlier, is that you don't know if Brock Purdy will come back yet, and you don't know what might happen to Sam Darnold. Things happen. OTA, someone can tear an ACL. You know, preseason, spring training, someone can get hurt. You never know with these things, and it's just smart to have a body there. And also, keep in mind this. You never know who's going to need a player, and guess what? You're probably going to get more out of Trey Lance later than you will right now. Because, say this is an example. Say my uh, Miami Tuba goes down with another bad concussion, he's out this upcoming year, and it happens. I hope it doesn't. I'm knocking on wood. I know he's coming back. Knocking on wood for you, Tua. But let's just say for the sake of argument, something happens to a quarterback, and they're not coming back. Guess what? The 49ers can come around and say, you know, dial it up and tell them, hey, I got a quarterback here. He's just been sitting on my bench. How much you want for him? How much do you really, really need him? And they'll give up probably a little bit more to get him, especially if they're really going to need a QB trying to either make the playoffs or they're trying to save their season, whatever stipulation it might be, that would be a smart route to do. Or like I said, if Brock Purdy isn't the same Brock Purdy as he was last year, then the surgery and the in and his injury he got against the Philadelphia just completely screwed him up, then no one's the wiser. No one's less wiser. No one's more wiser. They, I think they kind of break even. And along with it, he is in contract. I think the most he's making is like 4 or $5 million or something like that. So... It's not much, you know, it's not like it's a big contract like if Deshaun Watson just, tore, you know, got hurt all of a sudden or with, if Dak. So that's kind of one thing I think it's important to keep in mind whenever you're dealing with something like this is you got to be able to kind of sit back, think about it, and go about it that route. But alrighty, everybody, that's going to wrap things up on this episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. Make sure you follow me on all my social medias, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, at CAV Sports or CAV Sports Podcast. Make sure to follow me on YouTube or Spotify, Amazon Music. Like I said earlier, I will be having a cool little thing for the draft next week. I'm very excited. I'll also be kind of doing my reaction to the Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis fight. And I will be doing a mock draft on who I think is going in the first round. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I'll catch you at the next episode.